Hi friends, and welcome to the She Lives Purposefully podcast, a place for you to be encouraged and equipped in your walk with Christ. I'm your host, Megan. Hello and welcome or welcome back to the She Lives Purposefully podcast. My name is Megan and I am the host of this podcast and the founder of She Lives Purposefully and I am so thankful that you are here. I hope and pray that you're encouraged and equipped by this incredible episode. I want to thank you just so much for your patience as we um, have been getting back into the rhythm of things this past month Um, has just been really tough for our family. So I too just appreciate all of your prayers and messages. Um, You guys have been so incredible, but to just your patience as we get back to the Monday Bible study podcast episodes. Today, we are finishing up in the book of Esther. Um, We've been going through the book of Esther. We went through the book of Ruth for our very first Bible study episode. Now we're going through the book of Esther. We're going to be going through chapters 8 and through 10 today. Um, And I'm excited to announce at the end of this episode, or or I guess I could just announce it now, but um, if you follow along on um, Instagram, you already know this, so I will just announce it now. Our next book that we are going to be studying is Psalm 23. And so I'm actually going to link the um, digital study in the show notes for you. So you can either get a head start, you can print that out, however you like going through those digital studies um, so that you can, yeah, get a head start on the study. And that study is going to be launching in September, um, actually on Labor Day. So September 5th is going to be the very first Psalm 23 study. So I'm so excited for that. Psalm 23 is truly like one of my favorite chapters in the Bible. It has given me so much peace. It's something that I've committed to memory. It's something that has helped me so much through many different seasons. Um, and it's just it's just very sweet in, in how it talks about who the Lord is and who he is to us and who we are to him and um, just being his sheep and him as a shepherd and all, all this good stuff. And I'm so stoked for um, that study and to study Psalm 23 together. But I'm also very excited for today and for the Esther study. Um, and going through chapters 8 through 10 with you. If you've been studying with us, you know that Esther is potentially, maybe, probably my favorite book of the Bible. It is so good. So if you have not, definitely go back and binge or listen to the rest of the Esther studies and also the Ruth studies that we did um, opening up the Bible studies for us. Um, They're just so good. The Lord is so good and his word is so good. And I'm so thankful that we get to study them together on the podcast and so thankful that you guys are listening um, along and, and studying along and that we, yeah, get to do this together. Okay, so before we start this episode, I would love to encourage you to share it with just one friend to build them up in their walk with Christ, help them study the Bible. Um, I know that I can't wait to share it with you, so I hope that you're excited to share it with others as well. And of course, if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review so that others stumbling on here will know whether or not they should check it out. I have been, you know, looking at all the reviews, reading all the reviews, and it's just so helpful, so encouraging. So, 
definitely would love if you left a review and I can go and read that. Um, and two, so before we continue today, I have to tell you guys about Faithful Counseling. The podcast is sponsored by Faithful Counseling. Life is full of twists and turns, moments of growth and moments where we feel like we're just taking a few steps back. And it's important to show up for yourself and your loved ones through all of the struggles that life can bring. Faithful Counseling will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist who is a practicing Christian. It's not a crisis line and it's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. I've always supported others going to counseling, but I didn't think that I needed it. When I went to counseling for the first time a couple of years ago, it was life-changing and mindset-changing, and most importantly, my counselor was a Christian and brought the Lord into all of our conversations. You guys, that is so important when it comes to counseling. At Faithful Counseling, you can log into your account at any time and send a message to your counselor and schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you don't have to be on a camera if you don't want to. Faithful Counseling is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches, so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed until you find the right one for you. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. We all need someone to talk to and Faithful Counseling can help. Visit faithfulcounseling.com backslash she lives purposefully and get the professional faith-based counseling that you deserve. And she lives purposefully podcast listeners get 10% off of your first month at faithfulcounseling.com backslash she lives purposefully using the code she lives purposefully. That's all no spaces, um, lowercase letters. That's the code she lives purposefully at faithfulcounseling.com backslash she lives purposely. So go check them out. They are incredible. Okay. So now whether you are sitting ready to take notes, maybe you're cleaning your house, cooking, driving home from work, maybe you're at work, get ready to be encouraged and equipped. We are diving, like I said, into Esther chapters eight through 10 today. Okay, so I know this is a long one, but I actually am going to read through chapters 8 through 10, and we're going to be reading from the English Standard Version, just so we have the full story of everything that we're going to be talking about today. So again, that's chapters 8 through 10. We're going to start in chapter 8, verse 1, and this is the English Standard Version. Okay, here we go. On that day, King Ahasuerus gave to Queen Esther the house of Haman, the enemy of the Jews, and Mordecai came before the king, for Esther had told what he was to her. And the king took off his signet ring, which he had taken from Haman, and gave it to Mordecai. And Esther set Mordecai over the house of Haman. Then Esther spoke again to the king. She fell at his feet and wept and pleaded with him to avert the evil plan of Haman the Agagite and the plot that he had devised against the Jews. When the king held out the golden scepter to Esther, Esther rose and stood before the king. And she said, If it please the king, and if I have found favor in his sight, and if the thing seems right before the king, and I am pleasing in his eyes, let an order be written to revoke the letters devised by Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamedatha, which he wrote to destroy the Jews who are in all the provinces of the king." For how can I bear to see the calamity that is coming to my people? Or how can I bear to see the destruction of my kindred? 
Then King Ahasuerus said to Queen Esther and to Mordecai the Jew, Behold, I have given Esther the house of Haman, and they have hanged him on the gallows, because he intended to lay hands on the Jews. But you may write as you please with regard to the Jews, in the name of the king, and seal it with the king's ring. For an edict written in the name of the king, and sealed with the king's ring, cannot be revoked." The king's scribes were summoned at that time in the third month, which is the month of Sivan, on the 23rd day. And an edict was written according to all that Mordecai commanded concerning the Jews, to the satraps and the governors and the officials of the provinces from India to Ethiopia, 127 provinces, to each province in its own script and to each people in its own language, and also to the Jews in their script and their language. And he wrote, in the name of King Ahasuerus, and sealed it with the king's signet ring. Then he sent the letters by mounted couriers riding on swift horses that were used in the king's service, bred from the royal stud, saying that the king allowed the Jews who were in every city to gather and defend their lives, to destroy, to kill, and to annihilate any armed force of any people or province that might attack them, children and women included, and to plunder their goods on one day, throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus on the 13th day of the 12th month, which is the month of Adar. A copy of what was written was to be issued as a decree in every province, being publicly displayed to all peoples. And the Jews were ready to be and the Jews were to be ready on that day to take vengeance on their enemies. So the couriers mounted on their swift horses that were used in the king's service rode out hurley, urged by the king's command. And the decree was issued in Susa the citadel. Then Mordecai went out from the presence of the king in royal robes of blue and white, with a great golden crown and a robe of fine linen and purple. And the king and the city of Susa shouted and rejoiced. The Jews had light and gladness and joy and honor. And in every province and in every city, wherever the king's command and his edict reached, there was gladness and joy among the Jews, a feast and a holiday. And many from the peoples of the country declared themselves Jews, for fear of the Jews had fallen on them. Now, in the twelfth month, which is the month of Adar, on the thirteenth day of the same, when the king's command and edict were about to be carried out, on the very day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain the mastery over them, the reverse occurred. The Jews gained mastery over those who hated them. The Jews gathered in their cities throughout all the provinces of King Ahasuerus to lay hands on those who sought their harm, and no one could stand against them, for the fear of them had fallen on all the peoples. All the officials of the provinces and the satraps and the governors and the royal agents also helped the Jews, for the fear of Mordecai had fallen on them. For Mordecai was great in the king's house, and his fame spread throughout the provinces, for the man Mordecai grew more and more powerful. The Jews struck all their enemies with the sword, killing and destroying them, and did as they pleased to those who hated them. In Susa the citadel itself, the Jews killed and destroyed five hundred men, and also killed Parshadantha and Dalphin and Asphatha and Poratha and Adalia and Aridatha and Parmashta and Arisia and Aridia and Vaisatha, I think, the ten sons of Haman, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, but they laid no hand on the plunder. 
That very day, the number of those killed in Susa the citadel was reported to the king. And the king said to Queen Esther, In Susa the citadel the Jews have destroyed and killed five hundred men, also the ten sons of Haman. What then have they done in the rest of the king's provinces? Now what is your wish? It shall be granted to you. And what further is your request? It shall be fulfilled. And Esther said, If it please the king, let the Jews who are in Susa be allowed tomorrow also to do according to this day's edict, and let the ten sons of Haven be hanged on the gallows. So the king commanded this to be done. A decree was issued in Susa, and the ten sons of Haman were hanged. The Jews who were in Susa gathered also on the fourteenth day of the month of Adar, and they killed three hundred men in Susa, but they laid no hands on the plunder. Now the rest of the Jews who were in the king's provinces also gathered to defend their lives and got relief from their enemies and killed 75,000 of those who hated them, but they laid no hands on the plunder. This was on the 13th day of the month of Adar, and on the 14th day they rested and made that a day of feasting and gladness. But the Jews who were in Susa gathered on the 13th day and on the 14th and rested on the 15th day, making that a day of feasting and gladness. Therefore, the Jews of the villages who live in the rural towns hold the 14th day of the month of Adar as a day for gladness and feasting, as a holiday, and as a day on which they send gifts of food to one another. And Mordecai recorded these things and sent letters to all the Jews who were in all the provinces of King Ahasuerus, both near and far, obliging them to keep the fourteenth day of the month Adar and also the fifteenth day of the same, year by year, as the days on which the Jews got relief from their enemies, and as the month that had been turned for them from sorrow into gladness and from mourning into a holiday, that they should make them days of feasting and gladness, days for sending gifts of food to one another and gifts to the poor. So the Jews accepted what they had started to do and what Mordecai had written to them. For Haman the Agagite, the son of Hamadatha, the enemy of the Jews, had plotted against the Jews to destroy them and had cast purr, that is, cast lots, to crush and destroy them. But when it came before the king, he gave orders in writing that his evil plan that he had devised against the Jews should return on his own head and that he and his son should be hanged in the gallows. Therefore, they called these days Purim, after the term Pur. Therefore, because of all that was written in this letter and what they had faced in this matter and of what had happened to them, the Jews firmly obligated themselves and their offspring and all who joined them that they would fail, that without fail, they would keep those two days according to what was written and at the time appointed every year that these days should be remembered and kept throughout every generation in every clan, province, and city, and that these days of Purim should never fail, should never fall in disuse among the Jews, nor should the commemoration of these days cease among their descendants. Then Queen Esther and daughter of Abihail and Mordecai, the Jew, gave full written authority, confirming the second letter about Purim. Letters were sent to all the Jews to the 127 provinces of the kingdom of Ahasuerus in words of peace and truth that these days of Purim should be observed at their appointed seasons as Mordecai the Jew and Queen Esther obligated them and as they had obligated themselves and their offspring with regard to their fasts and their lamenting. The command of Esther confirmed these practices of Purim and it was recorded in writing. Okay, this last bit 
it here, Esther chapter 10, King Ahasuerus imposed tax on the land and on the coastlands of the sea, and all the acts of his power and might, and the full account of the high honor of Mordecai, to which the king advanced him. And they are they not written in the book of the chronicles of the kings of Media and Persia? For Mordecai the Jew was second in rank to King Ahasuerus, and he was great among the Jews and popular with the multitude of his brothers, for he sought the welfare of his people and spoke peace to all his people. Okay, friends, that is Esther's chapter 8 through 10. I know that, that was a big chunk, a big portion, um, but I want to encourage you to pause and pray and journal wherever you feel your heart resonate or conflict with anything in those verses. Give Jesus time and space to move in and through you through this book of Esther in his word. So in summary, in chapters 8, 9, and 10, the book tells us of how the Jews were saved and the honor and power both Mordecai and Esther receive. So we're just going to dive in chapter by chapter here. Um, I just have a couple of things of note in each of these chapters. So we're going to start in chapter 8. So in chapter 8, a big theme that I wanted to talk about is that our God knows what he is doing. In verses 1 and 2, Haman's continued downfall benefited the same people he was against. The Lord brought an overabundance of honor to his own people, honor that was not sought out by them. Our God raises the humble, and he is for his people. In verses 5 through 14, we see how without the season of fear for the Israelites and a decree to kill them, God's people would have never been able to conquer their enemies. The decree to kill the Jews was irreversible because it had the king's signet ring assigned on it. So a new decree had to be made that they would be able to fight back on those who fought against them. In this new decree, the Jews are not only saved, but they are able to have vengeance, able to destroy their enemies. They went from safe to trial to saved to avenged. Without entering into this fearful season, the Jews would have remained in the same place they were in. But now they are back to that place and free of enemies. The Lord knows exactly what he is doing, not just when it turns out for the better. He is even working through and using the bad situations in our lives. There is justice and revenge and that those things are the Lord's. Another thing that I wanted to know is this reaction to redemption. The reaction to God's goodness in verse 16 is beautiful. Don't you agree? What a beautiful thing to be saved, redeemed, and fought for. And friend, this is true for us. This is who we are. This is a beautiful example of the reaction that we should have to God saving us, to his blessing, to his redemption, and to his fighting for us. This reaction is such a stark contrast from what we see, if you want to flip there, in Esther 2 verse 6 and in Esther 3 verse 13. And then just another quick note in this chapter, in verse 5, even after a success, Esther is bolder 
but she is still humble. And I think that that is so worth noting that even after success, we are still called to be humble because success is not ours. It's the Lord's. Everything that we have is from the Lord. Okay, so let's dive in to chapter nine. A big theme in this chapter that I want to talk about is that God conquers, your enemies don't. Okay, and in Esther chapter nine, verse one, it says this, on the very day when the enemies of the Jews hoped to gain the mastery over them, the reverse occurred. This verse brings so much hope. Just when defeat was inevitable, there was victory. God made a way. God will not let your enemies conquer you. This doesn't mean that there weren't deaths. This doesn't mean that there wasn't still, they weren't still in the Persian empire. This does mean, however, that God fights for his people and fulfills his purposes. This does mean that he always has the last say and that when we are with him and he is with us, we are included in that. With God, you, friend, are not destroyed. And two, God gives us the ability to conquer our enemies. So what or who are your enemies? Could it maybe be self-sabotaging pride? Someone who is out to ruin you? They will not have mastery over you. Again, this doesn't mean that there aren't hard times. We live in a sinful, hard world, and God is not our genie in a bottle. But it does mean that he fights for us. And ultimately, ultimately, friend, he does win. And just a note um, to also digest in this chapter, um, because it does seem like a hard chapter. It's hard to digest. This chapter may seem vulgar. How could God condone killing? But I think it speaks to not only God being a God of love, but it speaks to him being a God of justice. And I think that's so important for us to remember. He love does include justice and he is a God of justice. It isn't loving for us to stand by when those we love are hurt. There is justice, whether it is now or whether it is later. God does, we see too, have enemies and God has his people and he is for his people. Verse 22, if you'll go there, is also so beautiful and speaks of the transition of emotion and state of being for the Jews from sorrow to gladness, from mourning to a holiday. Let's react to God's goodness in that same way. Their reaction included giving and included generosity. Let's pour out what God pours out on us. Let's give that back. Let's pour that out to others. I just love to see too what the Lord can do in our lives from sorrow to gladness, from mourning to a holiday. He is the God who comforts. He is a God of joy and he is a God who brings us under in the shadow of his wings. He can bring us from sorrow to gladness. Again, that doesn't mean that life is only gladness and only good things and only holidays, but that he is able to heal. He is able to comfort and he is able to bring us from sorrow to gladness. He is able to bring beauty out of ashes and turn mourning into a holiday. Um, yeah. So I hope that that truth is encouraging to you. We see it in this chapter and it's so true of the Lord. Okay. In chapter 10, I think there are two different things that we learn from Mordecai himself, if you'll go to chapter 10. And it's a short little chapter, um, but it is, you know, there's things that we can definitely learn from it. So one thing we learn from Mordecai, 
or rather from what the Lord does in him, is that God raises up the humble. And if you've been following along with us, and again, if you haven't, I encourage you to go back and read the rest of Esther and binge these um, podcast episodes where we study Esther together. We see that Mordecai is really humble, that he serves well, that he, you know, even honors his enemies and he defends people and he defends the king and he actually saves the king's life. Um, and so he, he really is somebody who um, wants to honor the Lord and is humble. And so in this chapter we see, and he, you know, throughout the entire book is unrecognized over and over again, but we see that God raises up the humble. He raises up his people and he does see them. He sees you. Another thing that I think we learn from Mordecai is to be a person who seeks welfare for your people and speaks peace to your people. Seek welfare and speak peace. All in all, in this book, in this chapter, what began as a tragic situation rooted in pride, God foreknew and he used for the salvation and revenge for his people. Without the first chapter's pride and rash decisions by the decisions by the king, Esther would have never become queen. Without Mordecai being hated, Haman wouldn't have wanted to root out all the Jews or at least act on it as quickly as he did. Without an irreversible decree to kill the Jews, there would be no need to legally conquer their own enemies in response. God is in the details of your life. He is not just in the mountaintops, but he knows those valleys intimately. intimately. He knows exactly what's happening and he is in the details. And we see that all throughout the book of Esther. We see his hand in the valleys and in the mountains. We see him with people who are unrecognized and those who have positions of power. We see his incredible timing and the way that he works out his vengeance and the way that he fights for his people. And friend, you are his people. If you are his, if you have asked him to be your savior and your Lord, you are his child, you are his people, and he is for you. He is in the details of your life. And he is so good. And he's in the details of history. How incredible is that? That he's actively working in history in, in anything that we see right now. Nothing is hidden from him. He sees it all and he sees you. And I hope that these chapters and this book, um, this episode and this whole study has been just an encouragement to you. Esther, again, is one of my favorite um, books in scripture. I think it's so powerful and so incredible just to see what the Lord does and how we see him work behind the scenes. Um, and just too to see how incredibly involved in history he is and how much he marks things in history too, so that we can know that he is not a God of fairy tales and of made up stories, but he's actually a God who has been there from the very beginning before, you know, what we know as time began and history began. He was there and he's involved from BC to AD and, you know, everything. So um, I just think it's such an incredible book. And I'm so thankful um, that you have been studying along with me in this. So friend, again, I hope and pray that you are encouraged by this episode. Don't miss the Psalm 23 study that we are coming out with. I'm so stoked for it. You can actually download the digital study right now. I'm going to link that in the show notes. I'm also going to link the digital study for Esther if you want to go through that on your own time again um, and just have that in hand um, for you to print out or you, you know even just digitally as well. 
And yeah, so I'm so stoked for that. Thank you so much for listening. And of course, if you haven't yet, be sure to subscribe to the She Lives Purposefully podcast so that you don't miss a single encouraging episode and leave a review. Share this with your friends. Friend, live for Jesus well, live purposefully, and have a fantastic rest of your day.